You're listening to Selfish. This is where we bring self-care and bravery together to encourage you to follow your dreams. Here's your host, your favorite selfish enthusiast, Allie Hembree-Martin. Lauren Golden is on a mission to help free all the mamas out there. She has some great tips for leaving your nine to five and creating a life and business you love. I particularly love a quote she mentioned in the interview. She said, you can't have it all by doing it all. We talk all about outsourcing and growing a freeing virtual business. Take a listen. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So first, Lauren, tell us about yourself. Oh, goodness. Where do we begin? Okay. I will start with uh, where I don't naturally begin, actually, (laughs) which is probably not the most common answer, but I will start with my family um, because it's very easy for me to talk about business. So we'll go family first. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I've been married about 11 years. I live in Kansas City. I've got three kids, uh, eight, six, and recently four. So I'm exhausted all the time. Um, but the cool thing is I am also a business owner and I have, I I worked really, really hard to get my business to a place where I get to be one of the hardest working lazy people that I know. Um, I have, I'm surrounded by just amazing people. I love what I do, which I used to really hate people that said things like that, um, because I used to be miserable (laughs) at my job, but it, it, I think it's important that people know that that is possible. Um, and goodness, I mean, you want some fun facts? Like I love Britney Spears, which could be controversial, but I do. No, we need to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an iced coffee enthusiast. It is like negative five degrees. And I am sitting in my office wrapped in a blanket, drinking an iced coffee. (laughs) Um, and I am a raging extrovert, which probably has already come across by now. Uh, but that's, that's a little about me kind of across the board. Well, so I have to ask, I'm assuming you've watched the FX special on Britney. I, is that the same one that's streaming on Hulu? Yes. Okay. Yes, I have. I wa- I made, this is actually super funny. So over the weekend, um, my husband made me watch some like World War II Tom Hanks something, something. And I love Tom Hanks and <laughs> it, it was great. And like immediately afterwards, I made him watch the Britney Spears documentary. It's like, this was fair. That's what he said. He's like, this is the weirdest, most like honest night of our lives. I'm like, uh-huh. yes, it is. Um, I have always been a Britney fan. I grew up, you know, in the nineties, I got my belly button pierced in high school, probably because of her. Um, I just think it's really sad. And I think the documentary showcased that while we still have a long way to go and I won't go full blown, like feminine feminism rant in this interview, unless you want me to, but, um, I, I do think it shows how far we have come because I think a lot of what she was subjected to in the early 2000s would not happen today. Um, and I hate that I feel like it could potentially be with her as, as kind of the sacrifice for us to get here. Um, but I, I am genuinely a fan and I think very highly of her. I always joke that she's my spirit animal, even though she's a person. Well, that, that's really the two things that stood out to me was, it, wow, how revealing about society is it that we can look back and see how she was treated and realize, like, if if she was 
going through that in today's world, it would be nowhere near what it was then and how unfair and how actually how graceful she was in handling so many of those questions that just Mm -hmm. seemed like bizarre to ask. And I just felt like she was always so graceful and polished in, you know, kind of answering those and and just kind of bouncing it to the next topic. So I was super impressed to look back and see how um, she handled that until she didn't, until she wasn't able to. Um, But really the other thing that stood out to me was I really just kind of felt like it ended at this point of like, yeah, that's kind of where we are now. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so now what? Like, I mean, I know there's so many people fighting for her, but it just felt like I needed to say, so, but it's all going to be okay. Right. I mean, that's, I think we're all just kind of over here rooting for her that it will all be okay. I completely agree. I, you know, like I said, I've always been a fan and I kind of follow her on Instagram. And even before this documentary, I would even show stuff to my husband and be like, this just, this is not right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really cool and maybe a little bizarre, but kind of cool that so many people have really dedicated a part of their lives towards, you know, advocating for her, I think is, is awesome. And I, I do have faith that she's still strong, you know, on the inside. And I do hope that we get some sort of resolution and this is totally shifting gears. So you can, you can keep me on track, but I, I think we have a huge problem in general in our country of lifting people up just to break them down and to kind of steer this back to business. I will say like with the success that I've already had, but with the bigger ambitions I still have, I think that that is a very realistic fear that I do have about success. And, you know, is there, am I ever flirting with too much success? And is there a point where my following will turn on me or my family won't be able to sustain it or all of these things? And, you know, you can always look for stuff and you'll you'll find evidence that whatever you think is true because there are plenty of people who have been torn down, but then, you know, you can also find examples of people who are still married and successful and, you know, do have a happy family life and all of these things. But um, I think she maybe is just the most highlighted case right now of, of this thing that we unfortunately really love to do inside of America. It's, it's sad. Okay. So from one free Britney movement to the free mama movement. um, (laughs) I love that transition and I'm getting t-shirts made immediately. (laughs) I mean, wow. That like, that's so fitting. Um, Okay. So you started it. I did. I did. What, What is it and what led you to start it? Yeah, great question. Okay. So the Free Mama Movement is is my my company is actually called the Free Mama. The Free Mama Movement is the name of both my my core product that I sell to help women find freedom in their lives through self-employment. Um and the Free Mama Movement is also the name of of my community. So we identify as Free Mamas. And I'm sure I can speak on behalf of all the Free Mamas that we are all Free Britney supporters as well. But sure. my my company, yeah, my company is called the Free Mama and our mission is to make sure that no mother has to choose between family and finances. And the way that I do that is I help women ditch the nine to five to start a home-based business so that they can live this totally awesome guilt-free life, whatever that looks like for them. And like a lot of business owners, not all, but a lot, I created my business out of what 
uh, basically for a former version of myself. I found myself at 24 years old, married, pregnant. I wanted to get pregnant just to be clear. Like we were trying to get pregnant, (laughs) but I found myself married and pregnant and our family relied on two incomes. Uh, I'm staying home was not a possibility for me. And as someone who grew up with an entrepreneurial father and a stay at home mom, I felt like a complete failure. And I felt a lot of guilt and shame and selfish and all of these different things in the negative sense of being selfish. And, but it's really cool because even though I had to go back to work, I also very quickly realized once I got through all the tears and mascara stains on my face that I love working. I I really do. I love producing. I love making money. I like using that part of my brain that is a very different part of myself than what I have to tap into to be a mother. Um, but by the time my second kiddo was born, my, my oldest are, are two years apart, four, four days shy of two years apart. Mm-hmm. And by the time I brought that second kiddo home, I realized that while I love working, working for someone else was preventing me from showing up as the mom that I wanted to be. And I tried a lot of different things um, to get home and none of them worked (laughs) except for the last one, which is when I really tapped into this idea of freelancing, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with the concept of freelancing. But if you're not, it's kind of like a job, except you're not an employee. You're hired on a contract basis. So you're really more of a small business owner. And when I realized that I could leverage a lot of the skills that I was already applying in my nine to five job and do them for myself set my own goals, be in control of who I worked with and when I worked and how much I charged. Literally, it was like this like light bulb went off of like, oh my gosh, like where have you been all my life? And clearly the road to get from that moment back in 2014 to where I am today was not a straight and narrow path full of rainbows and unicorns, but um, it was a beautiful path that ultimately led me to creating this movement where now I teach other women to, to walk a similar path for themselves. And not only that, but you have a number one international best-selling book, and that's the Free Mama, How to Work from Home, Control Your Schedule, and Make More Money. Tell us what led you to to write this book and really how it shows up in your life to really tell your story and tell your message. Oh gosh, that's exactly what it does. It's really interesting. I started writing the book, you know, kind of, I'm not a writer. I should say that. Like, I think so many people look at other people in interviews or on TV or on the internet, and they just think they're so amazing. You guys remember, I've already told you, I am the hardest working lazy person you will ever meet. So (laughs) I love to talk, but I am not a writer. So I worked with a ghostwriter. It was very collaborative. And I basically told her what I wanted in it, but that was around the time we produced the actual book, I had the seeds in this like inner fire of what I wanted to say and what I wanted women, especially moms to know from the time that I was experiencing it. So I hadn't walked across the bridge. I wasn't by no means qualified to walk anybody else across it, but I was very aware that I was like living through what I would write in this book. And so I started, you know, kind of a table of contents and like just different stories that I would want to incorporate and all of these different things for like three or four years. And I knew for me personally that it was the right time to write the book and and leverage it from a business side as a marketing tool. Um, But from my soul side, it's like, 
it, it, this sounds a little dramatic, but I, I really do mean it. I mean, it's kind of like my contribution to the world. Like it's my belief system wrapped up in however many pages. And uh, something about that was so freeing to know that this thing that I cared so much about, like I was leaving this legacy. And, you know, when you asked me about my business, I told you my mission and I don't hear a lot of entrepreneurs do that. Um, and so I always say like, I'm kind of an accidental entrepreneur. I think I've always been marketing savvy and business savvy. I didn't go to school for any of this stuff, but I really fell into it because of this belief system that I have about, mothers and that you don't have to be full-blown lean in climb the corporate ladder we need that you've already heard I'm a feminist like we need women doing that but that wasn't my story and on the other side like I could never be my mom I could never be the full-time stay-at-home mom you know with all the Pinterest stuff like I'm, I'm not skilled at it I don't enjoy it and it's again that's not who I am and these are two very you know, distant extremes that we see for us as our choice in motherhood. And to me, my book is really my message to the world that there's so much gray area in between. And that if you can figure out what you want and what your gifts are, that you can build a business in alignment with that and achieve the kind of lifestyle that you want to lead. And so, like I said, it started around the time my journey started. And then by the time I had actually launched the Free Mama Movement, I had revenue coming in and team and support because again, not, nobody can do it all, but that there was kind of this opening in my business where things were kind of running on autopilot. And I knew that that was my chance. This, was, this would have been 2018. I knew there was this like opening of like, I, I need to do this thing. And so, like I said, it was a very collaborative project. Um, and it still to this day, when people tell me that they loved my book, it's one of the biggest compliments that you could ever give me because it's so meaningful to me. I love that. And I think that's such a powerful tool because I think the biggest complaint that I hear from any of my mom friends that either already work from home or are wanting to work from home is time management. And I think so many of them struggle, like, how am I going to balance it all? How am I going to maintain even some type of balance or semblance of balance? Because they, it just doesn't even seem like a possibility at all. Like, do you have any like feedback or advice on that? So much. Okay. So I get asked all the time because, you know, isn't social media just this great illusion? And I try to be very transparent. I'm known in my community for just my vulnerability. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's a huge disservice to all of women to try to pretend like you've got all your stuff together. So I'm a mess. You can tell everyone I emailed you right before this. I'm like, do I need to look put together for video? Because I did not wash my face today. Uh, so the first thing is I genuinely believe that we can have it all, meaning we can have a fulfilling marriage, we can have a fulfilling career, we can have a good relationship with your children if you choose to have them, um, and you can have great and abundant friendships and, and wealth. I think that this is possible. I believe that this is possible. And no one ever had it all by doing it all. So I actually have an acronym. I call it like, you've got to drop it basically is what I say. Like you have to drop this idea that you have to do it all and drop is an acronym. So the D is for delegate, like stop trying. I see so many moms and, and I'm super type A, so I'm wound pretty tight so I can empathize, but I see so many moms 
being control freaks of their households. It's like if they, if, you know, if their husband loads the dishwasher, it's like they did it wrong. Or like, you know, before the pandemic, it's like, well, I can't do the online grocery delivery because they pick out the wrong produce. It's like, listen here, sweetheart, if you still (laughs) have to do it, if you won't relinquish some control, you are, you are, you know, you're writing your story. You are writing that you are going to be responsible for everything. And so we've got to learn to delegate to our children. Our our kids started doing chores when they were two years old, like basic things, obviously like feed the dog and they, and it's a mess. Like she gets it all over the floor, you know, but we we're teaching these little humans to be responsible. And it's one less thing that mom has to do. So number one is delegate, like get somebody else in your personal life, in your business. Maybe you need a virtual assistant, whatever the thing is, delegate. Number two is remove. My biggest lesson for this was around that time that I was like having my breakdown at my nine to five because I had two kids. And I realized not only did I have two kids and a husband who was basically neglected during this year of our marriage and um, a full-time job, but I also had two side hustles. I was in a uh, nonprofit organization serving on the board and I was on the board of my high school alumni association. And yet It's interesting, Allie, because I didn't have the self-awareness that I was the reason that I was miserable. I was constantly complaining that I never got to do what I wanted to do and I never spent enough time with my family and all these things. But when I actually sat down and looked at everything that I had on my plate, I had to take ownership of the fact that I'm the one who served it there. And so remove, get things off your plate. What are things that you're doing that you don't have to do? And, And I get a lot of pushback from the women that I work with because- so many women are heart-centered. You know, you want to volunteer at your church or you want to help out at your school's PTA. I'm not saying don't do it ever. I'm saying maybe not right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the O and drop is outsource. Again, I'm clearly a huge fan of outsourcing. Uh, it took me years to hire a cleaning person because I had this mentality of like, well, if I can do it, then I should do it. Well, then I read a study that literally scientists have proven that people who outsource things that they don't like doing are statistically happier. And I don't know about you, Allie, but I want to be a happy person. So we hired a cleaning lady. We got out of our own way, outsource. And the P is partner up. How can you collaborate with other people? So an example of this, and, and even in COVID times, it's like, if you hate cooking or whatever the thing is, like, can you start a little co-op in your neighborhood where like, maybe you make chili for like, two families for one night. And then the next night they're going to make a pasta dish for both of you or whatever that looks like. Like if you need help with your children, but you can't afford a babysitter or a nanny, like, can you partner with a family member or a neighbor and do a mutually beneficial exchange? And so sometimes it requires us to get creative, to find time for the things that we need to do. But the reality is there are a lot of successful people in this world and they only have 24 hours in a day too. Okay. So what I learned from that was, um, hiring a cleaning crew will make me a happier person. Yes. So that's you, the moral of the story here. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> You've sold me. Um, cool. <laughs> fun. um, so for those that are listening to this and maybe they haven't taken the plunge into leaving their nine to five, do you have any practical advice as far as kind of how to take those steps to move from that nine to five to working from home? 
For sure. And I think, and, and not to pick on you, but I think you'll let me, are you okay if I pick on you? Of course. Cool. So the first thing that I would say is we've got to stop talking about it as taking the plunge and look at it in a more positive light as like taking a leap. And I know that that's like a really subtle thing, except that it's not. And you know this, Allie, like once you get into the business world, you realize like it's the greatest personal development course you will ever take. (laughs) And so our mindset really does matter. And if you are talking about leaving your job as this like terrifying, detrimental thing, that's what you're going to be focused on are all the thing, all the what ifs that are negative. Like, what if this doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I can't make money? Right. Whereas as soon as we switch it and we reframe it and we start focusing on the abundant side of things of like, you know, what if this is amazing? What if I find my dream client? What if my whole life changes and it improves all my relationships? What if I'm able to pay off debt faster? Like, It's amazing how that's where your attention will then start to go. Um, But I think the thing a lot of people, and, and I'm actually, this sounds horrible, but I'm actually grateful for the pandemic for shedding this light. I think a lot of people's fear around leaving a nine to five is that people have a misconception that nine to fives are stable. Mm-hmm. And if we learned anything in 2020, it's that that's not true. Yeah, <laughs> they're, exactly. they're really not. It's, it's an illusion of stability because you get the healthcare and the 401k and all of these things, but your job is always vulnerable. And when you look at it that way, it's like, do you want to bet on the company you work for? Or do you want to bet on yourself? And that's not a rhetorical question. You need to answer that. If you would rat, if you are afraid to bet on yourself, you don't trust yourself to follow through. You are not a motivated or self-started self-starter kind of person, maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you. It's not for everybody and that's okay. And, you know, if it is for you, if you're going, wait a second, like I, I want to fulfill my own dreams. Like I don't want to keep fulfilling my company's dreams. Then, then you need to listen to that voice. And so I've got, I guess, four, four tips for somebody who wants to create this illusion of stability. um, And they're just getting started in a side job. And the first one would be find an anchor client. And what I mean by that is find a client whatever service you provide that will be, that will provide monthly recurring revenue for you um, on a longer term contract. So a lot of people think of freelancing and they think of like feast or famine, like you're just doing these pro like one-off projects all the time, but there's a way to build a service-based business as a freelancer with stability through, through finding these anchor clients that need recurring work and will pay you recurring revenue. So that's the first thing. Um, number two, I'd say diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I see some people getting like their one dream client Um, and then they're like, okay, well now I have stability. And it's like, well, if you're really number one, the government has opinions about what makes you an independent contractor versus employee. But also when we get, when we put all of that, all of our faith into one client, it's really no different than having a job, right? There's not, you don't have revenue coming from different sources. So you're relying on that one person to be successful in order for you to get paid. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. Number three is focused on your pipeline. Um, I see a lot of people that I work with, you know, they'll get a couple clients and they get so busy with business work that they forget that they still need to network and market their own business. And so make sure that that's not something that you drop once you start taking on work in your, your business. Um, and the last one is profitability. 
be smart. And again, this is the scary thing, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. I know that it was for me when I left my job. Make sure you're being smart from day one. Don't spend everything that you earn in your business. You need to be responsible for taxes. You need to be responsible potentially for health insurance unless your partner has it. And I think this is so scary for a lot of people, but what you don't realize is your employer was just doing it for you before. You were still paying taxes. Like you were still paying for your insurance. You just didn't see that money before it hit your bank account. So pay attention to the profitability of the business that you start. And if you keep in consideration all four of these things, you can create stability as a business owner. It doesn't have to be this insanely risky endeavor. That is brilliant, Lauren. And that's, it's so true. Everything you said, I, I was like over here nodding my head. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I was sharing with somebody the other day, being an entrepreneur sounds so scary to me. And I think that's where, you know, this mentality of it's taking the plunge was. And, you know, it was such a scary endeavor until I was forced into it. And then you figure it out. And then you realize like, this was a whole lot easier than what I made it out to be. And yes, there are hard days. And yes, there are days where I'm like, what does this even mean? It doesn't make sense, but it's so much easier than I really made it out to me in my head. So I think all of those tips you shared really do hit home that like, it's doable. Like it is so doable. Totally doable. And that's the thing with like looking at other people who are successful. Like we have to take our feelings and our insecurities and all those limiting beliefs and learn how to put them on the shelf and look at things objectively. I call that, I have like a whole mindset framework. Uh, and step three is nonfiction it, right? And it's like, what's actually true? What are the facts? And the facts are that if Allie can start a business and be successful, and I don't know all the details of your business, but, or start a podcast or, you know, if Lauren can write a book, if Lauren can start a bit, like then you have proof that it's possible. And if it's possible, it's possible for you. Mm-hmm. So Lauren, thinking about your entrepreneur journey, what do you enjoy the most? Ah, oh God, that's a good question. Uh, of the journey. Oh man. I mean, I love, I, I introduced, when you said, tell us about yourself, I told you specifically that I'm a raging extrovert. I love my community. I love my students. I, one of my, when I, if I were to like pull up my Google calendar, which I live and die by, and I were to look at everything I did this week, you know, just this afternoon, I had an hour long, which went to an hour and a half coaching call with my membership. Um, so there's about 200 people in there. There's about 60 people on this call and just getting to like pour into that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm exhausted afterwards, but I, love it. I love to see their face react to these aha moments. I do a Facebook live training every Monday. When I first started my business, the, the this part of my business, not the freelancing part, but once I got into the free mama movement, I mean, I used to like wet my pants to do a Facebook live. It was terrifying. And now it is literally one of the highlights of my week because I feel like i get to make real connections with real humans and see the impact that my words have. And because I'm pretty tough love. I don't know if you've caught on to that yet, but I'm pretty tough love. I get to follow up my words by holding them accountable to taking action because you guys can sit and listen to this podcast all day and be inspired. But if you don't do anything with it, if you don't move, you're not, you're not going to change. Um, and so watching that happen, that, that is what really brings me joy in my business. Uh, we have a hashtag in our community called hashtag free mama win. Like whenever I see those, whenever I just, whenever I know that I can be talking and sharing with somebody and then see the light bulb moment and 
then see them do something with it. I don't know that anything fires me up quite like that. And it's so true that you can be completely exhausted after something like that, but it fills you up so much that it's totally worth it. Like I truly believe I've never worked harder in my life, but yet like I love it so much more than anything else. So true. So true. Okay. So I'm going to flip that question on its head. What is the most challenging part of being an entrepreneur? You know what? Every, at every level of my business, Allie, I would answer that question differently. So rather than taking you through the last six years of my life, we'll go with current biggest challenge. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay, so my current biggest, biggest challenge. And just to give you guys some context, uh, we, we, this past year, we did about two or one point two, five million. Um, I have seven contractors on my team. Cause I feel like, you know, it's not fair to be like, this is my challenge. And you're like, but what do you do? You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to give you some context. And this year we are relaunching a bunch of stuff and we are looking to scale to 3 million. So that's more than double. Like it is pressures on, like we're, we, we've got stuff moving and grooving. Um, so right now my biggest challenge hands down is team. And it's really interesting because (laughs) the very first podcast interview I actually ever did, Allie, was in like 2000, 2016, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I was actually on this pod. And so I was just freelancing. The Free Mama movement didn't even exist. And I'm recorded in this podcast saying, I will never have team. I love being a solopreneur. I don't want to be responsible for anybody else. And like all of these different things. And at the time, I meant that because that's where I was at. But at every level, you kind of realize what got me here isn't going to be the same thing to take me to the next level. And so my biggest challenge right now is making sure that I have the right people on the bus to get us to this next level. And I, I I can't answer that question. I think we have some wrong people. I think we have some people missing that need to be on the bus. So that's some hiring, right? I think we have a lack of clarity with what people's responsibilities are. And it's so interesting because it all just kind of started percolating in the last couple months where I really had this awareness, but it's challenging because I were like a family and I care about the people who work for me. And a lot of them are former students. And so my biggest opportunity for growth is like, I have to grow into the CEO that's worthy of a $3 million business before I can actually get my team and our finances and my students to that level. And so there's like a lot of inner work that you just, you don't really realize you signed up for as an entrepreneur until you get there and you're like, oh, this hurts a little, Um, but it hurts in a good way because it's, it's all worth it. Um, But that's my biggest challenge right now is kind of navigating expectations, benchmarks, measuring success, super nerdy, like CEO stuff. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard and it's testing. Well, congratulations on your success so far. I mean, that's huge. And I I think you make a great point and I just want to reiterate it that there's always a challenge throughout every step of your journey. And it, even though I, I think so many people have that seven figure mark in their mind of what they want to hit and don't be misled that as soon as you hit that, it's not that all your problems go away. It's just that you have a new set of challenges that present themselves that you have to figure out and work from. So I think you, you clearly, you know, agree with that. And I think that 
that also helps relieve the stress that, oh, I just have to get to this number because then all my problems will go away because no, that's not the case. No, it's not the case at all. I always tell my community, there is no struggle-free life. So it's about picking your struggles. You know, if somebody listening right now is like your biggest $1.2 million problem is managing your team. Like there's somebody who probably rolled their eyes and that's awesome because you're just not at that. That's not your struggle. Mm -hmm. Your struggle might be getting your very first client, right? Or having to go to a toxic job every day. And, and, and those are very valid. And I have lived through those too. So there's no struggle-free life. And I think the other thing that this shines a huge light on Allie is like, you have to enjoy the process. Like it is so much more about the journey than it is the destination because every time you arrive, it's a circle or it's a spiral, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like every time you arrive, you're just opening up the door to this next thing that you're going to have to go through. And so if you're not ever having fun, if you don't like what you do, you are going to be super disappointed every time you rise to that next level. Yeah. If you're not happy, figure it out because you've got to enjoy that ride because don't wish for time to, to go away so that the problems are gone that because they're always there. So that's great, Lauren. Thank you. And when you think about how you fill up your cup, (laughs) how do you like to be selfish? Oh gosh. Okay. The most recent selfish thing that I did, we'll, we'll just go there. Cause I feel like we're friends now. The most <laughs> recent selfish thing that I did that took strength. Do you agree that being selfish takes strength every day? Okay, cool. So I'm glad we're in alignment. I'm like, tell me more about the name of this podcast. No, um, the, every day. Yeah. The most recent, like big, cause I do little selfish things every day. Like I went to the gym yesterday in the middle of my work day and all these things. And that answers the question of how do you fill your cup? I always teach my students, you have to give yourself what you need before you need it. If you are already totally burnt out, totally overwhelmed, spiraling out of control before you like pick up the phone and phone a friend or like go get a pedicure or like take a bath or read a book or do a yoga class, like it is going to be so much harder to get back to neutral. So it's like the goal needs to be like, how do I maintain neutrality on a regular basis? And that's going to require you to do all the things I just mentioned or whatever that thing is for you on, on a consistent basis. And so I, I, I try to do that. Some weeks I do it better than others, but the most recent, like really selfish thing that I did was back in December. And because of the pandemic, we had taken our kids out of school and we moved and like all these life things that y'all don't care about. And it's good. We, we withdrew our children from school and we were homeschooling. And for a while, it was awesome. Like we took an eight week RV trip around the country. Like we never set an alarm. Like, so we got up whenever we wanted, which I have three young kids. So that was still like 6am, but still the (laughs) alarm didn't go off. Mm -hmm. And like, we just, we had so much togetherness as a family and we got to teach them about things like we cared about. And we got to let them sign up for online classes about stuff they cared about, like cooking and Legos and stuff you don't do in school. And for a while it was really amazing and things were great. And then it wasn't, and it was awful. And I hated everyone. And I use that word intentionally. I really did. Like I hated my whole family. I like resented my children. I was screaming all the time. I hadn't worked out in like two months. Um, I never had a moment where I was alone, like ever. Um, And I definitely never had a moment where I wasn't doing something because I woke up and I had to be mom and then I had to be a teacher and then I had to be a coach and then I had to be a business owner. And then I had to go back to being a mom and make dinner and then do it all over again. And 
this was recent. I mean, this was, you know, December of 2020. So this is how we ended the year. And multiple times I had to go to my husband and I, I literally like pleaded for, I said, I can't do this anymore. And what was so hard about and what required strength of this selfishness is that we decided to enroll all of our children back in school so that I wasn't dying inside anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt horrible and I cried and I worked with my mindset coach and I felt like a failure and I felt really guilty until I realized that if I am broken and I hate everybody, then I'm failing them a whole lot more than by sending them to school, regaining some sense of harmony in my life where I can then actually show up and be of service to anybody. But it took a whole lot of processing. Like it, it was not easy and I felt very selfish and I am so freaking grateful that I made that selfish decision because we would not be recording this podcast right now. I would have three children hanging from me and it would just, I'd be exhausted and, and angry, quite frankly. Um, so I think it takes a lot of strength and courage to be selfish and give yourself what you need. Um, and also, and I think women struggle with this the most for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think when we can be selfish and give ourselves what we need, then we ultimately can give other people more of what they need as well. Amen. And I'm really proud of you for taking that step because it is, it's such a, a mental game that we play with ourselves, but then once we've, once we've done it, we, why didn't I do that sooner? So, um, super important to remember. Lauren, is there anything you wish you could be doing more? Um, I wish that I could be traveling more for sure right now. Um, I wish that I, I think the, I wish I yelled less. So that's kind of the opposite of your question. I think the biggest things I'm working on right now, yelling less, I'm a very passion filled individual. So my emotions spike rapidly. Um, I am actively working on that. I think the, the things I wish I could do more are travel, um, and see friends and not just locally because of COVID, but I, you know, I went to college in a different place than I grew up. And then I, I lived in two different cities with my husband. And then we spent the last five years in Texas. And so I, my friends are very spread out and none of my closest friends live near me. Um, but it's hard with family and with work and with family that's spread out. It's hard to carve out the vacations to visit the friends, especially when they live all over the place. Um, but most specifically, two of my best friends from college, I have not seen in five years. Um, and that hurts me regularly. So I think that is the thing that I wish that I could do more of right now. What is next for Lauren? (laughs) Who knows sister? Well, the 3 million, hopefully we're we're working really hard because those, that 3 million, you know, it represents at least 1500 women. It's not just a number. It's not something I see. And well, I definitely don't see it all in my bank account anyway, but, um, it's, you know, it's what it represents and it's the lives that we've helped. Um, I most immediately in my future, I am going on a trip because I told you I miss traveling. I'm going skiing mm-hmm. with my husband next week. Um, I am a super goal oriented individual. And on January 1st of this year, I said, what do I want to do this year? That friend's trip is on there by the way, but 
that has more variables because of COVID um, and people's comfort level and all of that. But um, one of the things I wrote, two of the things I wrote down, I said, I want to learn how to ski. I've never been skiing in my 34 years of life and I am resentful to my parents for it. So I am learning how to ski next week. And the other thing I wrote down is that after a year locked up with my children, I want to go on a trip alone with my husband. And so we are doing that next week, which is super exciting. Um, I, I tell my students, especially my high level students all the time, I have an insane commitment to continue to grow, not just for myself, but for all of the people who listen to the things that I say. So I think the next thing for Lauren is just continuing to become the next version of herself. I've got a super amazing intuitive life coach right now who makes me cry every time I look at her and it's super hard and painful. And it felt very selfish when I hired her because it wasn't like, well, this is a business. This isn't a business coach. Like what's the return, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and the return is I get to reach my highest self and it's a process and a journey, but, um, I'm taking my my community along for the ride. And so if anybody else wants to come, you guys are invited to come hang out with me. And I try to share everything that I learn and things that work for me along the way. Lauren, you are so inspiring. I love it. You have such a good energy and I love the movement that you've created and really what you preach day in and day out. And so I'm, I'm just so excited for you and, and your continued journey. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you for having me, Allie. I had a great time. Like what you just heard? Visit us at SelfishThePodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes today.